You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for February 5th, 2023, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Dr. Justin Crisp. It's based on Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. So until the pandemic, I wasn't much of a cook. I mean, I could microwave oatmeal. I could make a frozen chicken carbonara from the freezer section of the grocery store. Uh, what an English professor of mine once called two steps above Chef Boyardee. I was very proud of it, but she really cut me down to size. Anytime I tried my hand at really cooking something, though more complicated than a quesadilla, it was a disaster. I once burned an omelet in order to give it flavor. I made something called balsamic crock pot chicken on Jules and my third date. Neither balsamic nor chicken is what I would like to say. It didn't taste like either of them. It was a bland mush by the time it came out of the crock pot. But my most legendary culinary escapade was in divinity school when I was with my best friend Charlie. It was, you know, about 1.30 in the morning and as you do when you're in graduate school at 1.30 in the morning, you need to find some food. Well, New Haven, Connecticut only has one restaurant that's open that late and it's a falafel shop and it was a long way away and we didn't want to walk. So, we opened up the fridge and I found some chicken and I proceeded to get out every bottle of hot sauce I could find. Every bottle of hot sauce. Cholula, Tabasco, Sriracha, and a little jar of Thai red chili paste. And I proceeded to baste that chicken in all of that hot sauce. It was tasteless because it was so hot. We called it Diablo chicken. And it was demonic that night and the next morning, if you know what I mean. Awful, awful, awful. But at the height of lockdown during the pandemic, my wife, Jewel, who is a fabulous cook, needed a break. And I missed... French food. I love French food. And my wife is allergic to dairy, and so French food is not exactly her, um, not exactly her culinary expertise. I miss French food, and I determined, well, if there's any time to learn how to cook, it's right now. And if I'm ever going to eat French food ever again, I got to make it. And so I became a disciple not simply of the Lord Jesus Christ, but of the Barefoot Contessa. <laughs> I have six Ina Garten cookbooks. Two of them are autographed, thanks to my mother. Thank you, Mom. This is now what my mother buys me for every holiday or birthday, is an Ina Garten cookbook. I have devoured every single YouTube video that I can find of hers. I started out with beef bourguignon. Why I chose beef bourguignon to start out with, I don't know, but it was fantastic. If you follow Ina's directions, it always turns out great. So I started with beef bourguignon, then I made uh, scallops Provençal and, uh, and then her engagement chicken the roast chicken that she says if you make this for your significant other you'll be engaged within a week or something like that I was already married to Jewel but it did help my marriage that roast chicken um, and then uh, somebody at the 8 o'clock service told me that their favorite recipe of hers is um, salmon with lentils and that's Jewel's and my favorite recipe too it's from the from the French uh, cookbook Barefoot in Paris it's fabulous put a little Dijon mustard in the lentils mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. Um, after I had my feet under me with Ina, I realized there's a secret to really good cooking. And it's salt. And salt. Salt is magic. 
because salt isn't about its own flavor. In fact, if you have too much of the salty flavor, it'll ruin a dish. You put too much salt in it, or you use the wrong kind of salt. I learned very quickly that Ina, is, uh, Ina assumes you're going to use a particular brand of kosher salt. And if you use any other brand of kosher salt, it turns out way too salty. Uh, you can ruin a dish if it tastes too much like salt. But the magic is that just the right amount, not too little, not too much, doesn't make the dish taste like salt. It makes the dish taste like itself. You can taste everything. Salt is for food like when you have a photo on your iPhone and you turn up the contrast and increase the saturation and all of the colors come out and the lines get clearer. It gives food definition and depth, vividness. Without salt, beef bourguignon is, is something like a kind of bland, soupy mess, vaguely reminiscent of wine and beef stock. It's not appetizing. But you put in the right amount of salt and every flavor becomes vivid. The red wine broth has savory complexity. You can taste the smoke of the bacon, the sweetness of the caramelized onions, the earthiness of the mushrooms. Salt is the magic that turns what could be a culinary cacophony into a symphony. It gives food a melody just like that. And when Jesus says that Christians are supposed to be the salt of the earth, that's what he means. Christians are supposed to be people who see the world in technicolor, who turn up the volume, increase the saturation, and render vivid and sublime every part of creation and every part of life. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Now, as often I think Christians have in the past, and I'm afraid in the present, seem to be a rather dour, cheerless kind of people. The sort of people who made it their life's whole mission to remind you not to stay out too late because it's a school night. Now the Christian life involves moral demands to be sure, it does. But it is first and foremost good news. And whatever demands it makes on you issue out of the realization you have when you receive that good news. Christianity is foremost a proclamation. It's a proclamation that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, in the words of St. Paul from his letter to the Romans. That before we got our acts together, God chose to be with us. And that through Jesus, the one Jesus called Father has adopted us, each and every one of us, as his children sons and daughters. This makes Christianity an invitation to a party, not a study session for an exam. It's a new way of being and seeing in the world, which comes about naturally when you realize that the mysterious something which created the world, which made you, loves you so unconditionally and irrevocably that nothing in the world would ever keep him from being with you, not even yourself. And for me, that is very good news. Christians ought to be renowned for our joy, not for our severity. Because Christians ought to be able to see everything in the world as it truly is, 
a gift from the God who made it and who made us. In our Revved Up for Sunday podcast this week, I spoke about my grandfather's handkerchiefs. I have one here, um, which my grandmother gave me when he died. My grandfather had a whole closet full of these handkerchiefs, and now I have a closet full of handkerchiefs. Um, I love to carry them around because they are now as close as I can physically get to my grandfather in this world. When I touch them, I touch something that he touched. They are not simply pieces of cloth, which I can use to wipe my nose and dab my eyes and that kind of thing, although they are that. He, he, He blew his nose into these things and I blow my nose into them too. But they are foremost carriers of his presence. They're heirlooms. They remind me of him in the sense of bringing him to mind. They bring him to me. And that's the way the world is supposed to be like for Christians. The world is supposed to bring God to mind. And that transfigures the world. It changes the world from just being itself into being a gift. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of the 17th century English poet and Anglican priest Thomas Traherne. I taught a class on Traherne many, many years ago in God, Grace, and Gumption here. Um, he, he wrote a book called Centuries of Meditations, and in it, Traherne remarks how shocked he is that Christians can be so down all of the time, and so down on each other and down on the world. Why Christians are so downcast and dour and cheerless? Because he says, we have the stars. It's an incredible statement. He says, you have the stars. What are you so sad about all the time? Why are you moping around? You have the stars. I take the stars for granted, don't you? But Traherne did not. And when we, are, when we have been given by God such sublime things as the night sky to enjoy, who among us can be dour and severe with ourselves or with one another? You will never enjoy the world aright, Traherne says, till the sea itself floweth in your veins, till you are clothed with the heavens and crowned with the stars, and perceive yourself to be the sole heir of the whole world. The sole heir of the whole world. In Traherne's imagination, it is as though God says, all of this belongs to to you. Not because you earned it, in fact, in spite of the fact you have not, but just, just because. It's all yours. Just because. Now there is plenty in our world to mourn and grieve. There is plenty to be worried about. I've read an awful lot about a balloon this weekend, for instance, and I imagine you have too. There is plenty to be concerned about in our world. There is rampant evidence of human sin and wickedness, and death casts a shadow over every part of our lives. Death is the school marm that reminds us, don't stay out too late, it's a school night. But Christians profess a God who meets us even in these, who meets us even in suffering, who has conquered even suffering. 
so that we can pass through all of those things unfazed, undaunted, and unflinching, treating them as though they were partisans who had not yet learned their leader had lost the election. They cannot touch us. The world cannot beat us. And it is all ours, given to us. And this is what we pray for in the general thanksgiving, my favorite prayer from the prayer book, which reads, Give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful. The joy that comes from being given the gift of that due sense of all his mercies is fabulous, and it's what Christians ought to be renowned for. We ought to be the salt of the earth, people of relentless joy who can pass through the trials of this life unfazed by them, because we see in everything, everything, the one who is the life, literally the life of the party, our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be dominion, power, glory, and splendor, world without end. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.